the show that goes there. This is the Shaggy Jenkins Show on the Pacifica Radio Network. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show on the Pacifica Radio Network. Welcome to it. Boy, do we have a lot of stuff to cover for you today, including um, lunches, uh, both good and bad, dollar menu and not. We've also got about uh, a lot of people going to work disgruntled and not a lot of lettuce is safe. We'll talk about that, Roku, Putin, and more in the show that reviews everything from the week that was. Before we get into all of that, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I am, of course, your host, critical thinker, problem solver, guy just left of normal insane. My name, Shaggy Jenkins. You can find me at my website, shaggyjenkins.com, or wherever fine social media is served. Just look for me at Shaggy Live. Joining me from the lovely place called Chicago... Uh, he is the Windy City's very own Native Sun Information Headquarters himself. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Chris Bass. You have overcome, for I am here. What's up, my brother? How you doing? <sighs> so far, so good, but boy, do we have a lot to talk about. Okay, uh, before we get into the failed lunch that Donald Trump was going to have with Democrats, i got to ask you about this whole debacle for the Clemson team. Now, as everybody knows, Clemson, of after an amazing season, won the championship. And as such, we're entitled for one of those great things that all athletes, going back to Forrest Gump, um, they get to meet the president. Pretty sure that's where it started. History kind of eludes me sometimes, Chris. Uh, but, so, they, they go to the White House only to be treated by an option of having the first ladies make a salad or a fast food buffet. Now, Donald Trump was really proud of his food selection. Um, Chris, I gotta ask you, how did you take this whole the Arby's, McDonald's, Domino, cold, leftover buffet in the White House thing? Again, it's an insult. And the man that's doing it, Agent Orange, individual zero uh, has no class whatsoever you mentioned about football traditionally for example the rose bowl that happens every year the selected teams uh, that go every year are treated to lowry's prime rib there in la and lowry's prime rib is some of the best we have a, a branch here in chicago some of the best you ever want to have and every year the players and football staff are treated to some great prime rib what they call a beef bowl a beef bowl is almost half the size of a football as all prime rib. All the football players, everybody enjoys it. So imagine this time-honored tradition. You're going to, you know, the Rose Bowl. You go to Lowry's Prime Rib in Los Angeles, and they serve you Cheetos. Okay, because I'm sitting here going, all of a sudden I have the need with broken spine and everything that I got going on to go into college football again. That that sounds like an amazing perk, but this is the thing. Donald Trump not only invited all these Clemson players this week, he invited all of the Democrats except Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. And, and here's question number one. Are you thinking that they were really afraid more of the menu or the conversation? I would probably say a little bit of both. And I always say a little bit of both is because we're, we're dealing in dire straits right now america is hemorrhaging as you know obviously people out of work you know trying to make ends meet trying to pay mortgages and bills but unfortunately you have a president who's just completely out of touch 
doesn't want to be in touch with the American people, and that's why people in the crossfires are suffering. So when this is happening, the lunch, we see how cheap it was. Uh, the bill was like $5,500, which is tip money. You know, you could have went to your pocket. Hell, he has a hotel in the area and those other caterers. It could have been catered. It could have been catered some fine food there at the White House. But no, he also politicized it as a political football in this situation because he said the reason why this is happening is because of the shutdown. Oh, 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 okay. As 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 Kennedy the drag queen would say so eloquently right now. Okay. Because this is the thing that kind of gets you about a little statement like that. How do you politicize hamburgers? Well, it'll be nice to know how to spell it. And, you know, you go back and Twitter and correct all you want to, but yeah, you know, I, think, uh, I believe it was Burger King that outed the president and showed that he spelled it incorrectly. Again, yeah. a man who's out of touch. They a said, man who believes that we revolve around him. I, I got to bring this up because this is the funniest tweet of the week. Uh, due to a large order, this is what Burger King put on their Twitter account. Due to a large order, we are out of hamburgers. Instead, we'll be serving hamburgers. <laughs> I got to say that hey. that is clever. And I, I am actually kind of happy the president didn't go with Wendy's knowing how their social media campaign works. Well, we all know about that. And again, it's just I just feel so sorry for Clemson. Uh, university, you know, you go all this way to uh, win the championship, and you come to this place at the White House, it, you know, to have a great memory served uh, down the road when you're, you know, telling your grandchildren and your children about the time you went to this White House, and you got Big Macs. So it's just a damn shame. But at the same time, uh, people like Good Morning America's uh, Michael Strahan has offered for the team to come to New York and have lobster, Anthony one on his bill. You know, that's all it would take for Donald Trump. Doesn't he have a lot of money in his bill? Didn't he give himself a massive tax break last year? I mean, surely there could have been something other than hamburgers and, and leftover Arby's because, as we know, no sane human being would eat Arby's. But this, this, I, I'm just going to bring this up, okay, because this is, this is the thing. Democrats were invited to a lunch with Donald Trump because Donald Trump thought that if he could get enough hamburgers in him or, or them, that, that, that they would feel kind of okay with giving him the $5 billion for his wall. But out of everybody that was invited, which was basically anybody that was a Democrat, uh, except for Pelosi and Schumer, um, how many actually showed up at this dinner, Chris? You know what? I, 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 here's the thing about people showing up and the rank and file Democrats to do this. I would probably say no and none. And even if anybody showed up, here's the deal behind the scenes as far as I'm concerned. All they want is to make sure the American people are taken care of. You can't ignore the 900-pound gorilla in the room with the shutdown. We're entering uh, day 26, 27 at this point of people not getting paid. Also, adding insult to injury, they're receiving checks with zeros on it. So how much more can you uh, put salt on the wounds to send a check to people with zeros on it? So again, this non, this, this disconnect that the present administration currently has with the American people. 
Well, this is what I don't understand because out of Maui this week, the story of the fresh, uh, the market fresh streetery food truck feeding all the TSA employees at our airport, Kahului International Airport. Uh, that mm-hmm. story kind of goes further towards goodwill towards the federal employees than Donald Trump's lunch with Democrats. And and this is the problem that I really have with this scenario. This scenario, Chris, bothers me because. In a world where private citizens with their food trucks have to feed federal employees and the president complains about nobody showing up to his lunches when he invites Democrats, is the president feeding the wrong people? Of course. You feed, look, anytime again, when your go-to sources are Ann Coulter and Rush Limbaugh, yes, we're doomed. Uh, Ann Coulter said recently that if the president not get the wall and he's dead, 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 dead to the party. And again, we use fiery language like that and he'll listen to it because why should he change up now? His go to people for advice are Sean Hannity, Ann Coulter and Rush Limbaugh. So whatever they say, he'll do. So I'm sure he's heard, you know, he's heard the remarks from Ann Coulter. And I'm sure he act upon that because. Why should he change up now? Exactly. And the thing is, is that when we talk about his unchanging ways, it came to light this week that the government shutdown over $5 billion that he wants for his wall will actually cost us in upwards of the entire cost for the construction of the wall. Because of all the services, all of the back pay, and let's not forget all the financial fallout, um, all of the stuff that's going to have to go through the judicial system, and ah, last but not least, we're going to have a lot of trade unions and employees, uh, some of them, border agents and TSA, already suing the government, that is also going to add to the final cost. So right now, Donald Trump, who is trying to feed Big Macs and hamburgers to uh, Democratic people, doesn't even realize that asking for $5 billion is going to cost the country close to $50 billion at this point. And, and when we talk about those kind of numbers, Chris, will Donald Trump have any luck in nailing this to the Democrats because they didn't show up and talk things over? He would have no luck at all. Uh, he is a man on an island unto himself. And so, you know, me sometimes, I'll go check out other forms of media just to see what's out there sometimes. So I was watching Newsmax TV, which is a conservative channel, kind of like Fox News Light, or trying to compete with Fox News if you think about it. So they have conservative talk show hosts on there. I think that's where Bill O'Reilly ends up at this point right now from his days at Fox. He's over there at Newsmax TV. So there's this guy with a uh, name, uh, Todd Schnitt. Uh, who's a talk show host, he was doing the show. And so even this lady calls up during the show, says the following, I'm paraphrasing, even though I support the president, what he should do is take care of the shutdown and then the border. So you have people out there who are for the president, but look, go in this order. We need our money. Take care of us first and then take care of the border. Well, see, that's just it, because instead of taking care of them, because let's not forget, certain essential services have been kept open. That essential service, the one that I encountered the most of, which, by the way, uh, 
Congratulations to all the TSA uh, officials and agents across the country that have been playing things like Childish Gambino, uh, Beastie Boys, uh, Sicko Mode, um, you name it. They have even had some uh, Vince Staples played at certain checkpoints. So for every TSA agent that is really just fighting the power with their soundtracks at all these airports, I got to say it made traveling very very interesting, especially in New York, where um, in JFK, No Sleep Till Brooklyn was playing at the uh, baggage claim. But with all of the fun and games that we're talking, there is kind of a serious side of this. Trump found out that some of these essential services had to do with the FDA, the people that actually were, you know, last year finding out that romaine lettuce was trying to kill us. Well, Food inspections and, of course, traveling and dock inspections and stuff haven't been going on because those agencies were not properly funded. The problem is now, Chris, is he's recalled some 50,000 additional workers in those areas and still the government shut down. So now 50,000 more people are being added to the Donald Trump slave workforce. Again, uh, a president who is using people to further his cause for this wall, and it's not fair to them. Now, no, no matter what side of the aisle you're on, uh, no matter if you're a Democrat or Republican, conservative, liberal, it doesn't matter. Uh, ideology aside, it's about taking care of the American people. He doesn't want to do that. His ulterior motive is to get this wall, and it's, it's etched into his brain. But uh, he also forgets very easily. Uh, this is the same person who said that uh, Mexico would pay for the wall. Not the American taxpayer. It's always Mexico. So I'm funny about that because when did we turn and became Mexico? When did that happen? Because now all of a sudden the taxpayer in America has to pay for this wall of his. Well, the funny thing is, is all these 50,000 people that he has called back into work, how many of them are of Mexican descent? The, 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 right. The fact of the matter is, is that, Chris, we have like a major problem in this country when Donald Trump, instead of addressing the needs of some 400,000 furloughed, well, not even furloughed, uh, not being paid for their actual jobs that they went through and got, they're not getting their paychecks, in a country where some 400,000 were already not receiving pay, Donald Trump added 50,000 more to them, and then... This is the funny part. Chris, now he's trying to stick it on Donald Trump. Are people believing that this is the Democrats' fault? He said that from, you know, again, let's go back to the timeline. So remember uh, a few weeks back when he was in the White House, it was him and Speaker Pelosi and uh, Senator Majority Leader Schumer, and all three of them, including, well, I don't count Mike Pence, who was being quiet as a church mouse uh, during that time. So when Trump said... I'll own the shutdown. Now, he's on, he's on record of saying that. So after that, he spins it around and says it's a Democrat's fault. So it's a, it, not only is it lying, it's you're on tape, you're documented, and you're still lying. So, yeah, you can put on the Democrats because that's the, that's the mantra of the Republicans. Blame the other side. Blame them. Even though your leader is documented saying that he'll own it, 
Now you want to do a 180 and say it's Democrats' fault. The thing is, is that this is very eerily similar to the operating uh, modus operandi, I should say, of one Vladimir Putin. And this week, the story has also come out that Donald Trump's policies and Donald Trump's shutting down the government, Donald Trump's uh, bucking uh, with military leaders over our Syrian policy, all has to do with kind of the dictates of Russian propaganda. And this story that came out in the New York Times, and, and let's just be honest, the New York Times, the Washington Post, and other publications have really been beating up the president over this. Yes, what, yeah. the, 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 the thing that everybody is asking is, what has been happening with our leader and Russia's dear leader, Vladimir Putin? Chris, I want to I want to ask a very interesting theory with all of the way that Donald Trump is behaving now. Is he much like a foreign I'm sorry, former intelligence agents have been saying in all the news panel shows this week? Is Donald Trump behaving more and more like a Russian asset every single day, including his actions around the shutdown? Oh, absolutely. And again, my timeline in this is when he was in Helsinki, across from Putin, and when he, meaning the president, did not even embrace his own intel and sided with Putin, that should have been uh, the Soviet Union flag going up right then and there. That should have been the key sign. But no, you did have people, now uh, to Fox News' credit, they did grab the president and challenged him on that issue. I was shocked and surprised. I was even shocked and awed. That they did, but they did challenge the president on that because it's like I always said about you can't spin this. Some things you can't spin. That was one of them. But that th should have been the eye opener right there. The thing that was really kind of eye opening for me was Janine Pirro's appearance uh, in this whole story. Everybody knows her as the soulless Fox News commentator that possibly eats children to sustain her life force. I mm. would say that I would know her as the woman that kind of asked the president one of the, what I would like to call, most discussed non-answers of the week. Now, later, the president did, of course, go on record and say, no, I am not talking to Russia for policy. But when he was on Judge Pirro's show, uh, he did not, in fact, give an answer when she said, Mr. President, are you working with the Russians? Instead, he gave the kind of Russian propaganda, whataboutism technique of, it's the most insulting thing I've ever heard. Chris, even she, one of the most staunchest, is still on the president's call list, supporters, kind of threw a look to the camera that was like, nah, you can't be serious, that's not your answer. So, this is what I gotta ask you. At what point is Fox News, which has been showing cracks more so this week than others, how soon before Fox News regains its sanity and says, you know what, we're just gonna go back to supporting all the regular racists and not this specific racist? The only way it's gonna happen is when the president is indicted. When he's indicted, when he's impeached, when all this comes down the pike and it's evidence that is shown by Mueller, and all this comes down, flushing down on the president, that's the only way Fox would try to back up. Uh, and, and knowing then, they might try to justify that. But I think at the end of the day, as people would say, I don't know where the phrase they come from, but at the end of the proverbial day, when you look at the these bullet points, these evidence, 
these times and timelines where the president has shown more of an alliance with a dictator in Vladimir Putin than his own country, then yes, it's something that doesn't smell right. Something that's not right about that. So again, when everything comes down the pike, you will see Fox News do a 180. They'll do a Michael Jackson uh, moonwalk and realize, you know what, even though we gave all this coverage prior, we, we, we can't support you now. That's one of the things that kind of gets me about this story, because this might be a bridge too far. Donald Trump has taken an incredible amount of pains to cover up his involvement and conversations with Vladimir Putin, uh, going as far as tearing up interpreters' notes, swearing them to secrecy, and making sure that any sort of body that was in the room with him and Putin is on an NDA. Now, Chris, I got to kind of ask you, does the president's mm, propensity here for privacy kind of go towards paranoia for prosecution? That and protection. He's trying to make sure that he protects his boss in Vladimir Putin. Again, you just said, like, for example, there's no translators present when they're there, you know, talking together, whereas, you know, the president and Vladimir Putin. So when you do these little uh, side tricks, and once again, like you said before, Shaq, you're taking away interpreters' notes and things of that nature, you have to raise an eyebrow. And not like The Rock, you know, from back in the day, you do raise the eyebrow, the people's eyebrow, because mm-hmm. something is not right here. So when he's called upon it, oh, no, 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 I never worked for Russia, it never happened, nothing to see here, I'll go back and eat your ham, uh, burger, burger, well, yeah, go eat your meat between uh, two months. Yeah, your hamburgers. Because when it comes to the truth, Donald Trump has trouble, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this up at like very very in ways that don't sound like Scooby Doo when he says ghost. But um, I am gonna say that when it comes to all of the meetings and everything that the president has denied on his Twitter and everything that Robert Mueller is looking into, Chris, could we be looking at evidence of collusion? Yes, absolutely. Every, everything, all the above. And the, the, the time is nigh. And I believe the president knows that. So, you know, he's running scared. You know, he's trying to course, you know, like I said before about the first rule of magic. You have to create a plausible diversion. Mm-hmm. And that's what he tries to do, you know, with the, the hamburgers and all type of stuff and everything else. He's trying to create a plausible diversion because he knows that his time is coming to an end. Yes, and everybody knows that it's Kofefe, not Kofefa. Hermione would be so proud. The, 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 the yes, thing is, when we're talking about spells, Donald Trump does indeed seem to be spellbound by Putin. And this is a kind of a scary precedence for an American president to be so enamored with the leader of a country like Russia, isn't it? Well, look at his body language, for example. So let's go back in the timeline before he went to Helsinki. So, you know, he has the um, summit meeting with the other world leaders, you know, from Germany, Theresa May, and people like that. And, you know, he's, they got pictures of him folding his arms in defiance when they're trying to plead to him on certain uh, situations and uh, positions where he could benefit of uh, very various countries, and then he goes to Britain, and he does not know the protocol of walking with the Queen Mother and things like that. And then he gets to Helsinki. His body language is very subservient. It's very is not as strong as it usually is. He's made, he's almost kowtowing 
to Putin. So if you're an interpreter of body language alone, that will also be a dead giveaway. Yeah, because when it comes to the alpha male that Donald Trump perceives himself to be, um, I, I'm a child of the 90s, uh, so every time that Donald Trump actually looks like the Vladimir Putin, it's kind of like Dawson was looking at Joey, and then Joey was looking at Pacey, because there is all this kind of love-lorn look in his eyes when Putin approaches crowd, and we saw that at the G20. And this isn't typically yeah. a reaction you would have for a guy that illegally annexed part of the Ukraine, has been known to kill his enemies, both journalistic and political, and has been known to kind of mm, meander and try to manipulate foreign elections so that Russia has a more worldly, better political environment. So the president's cozying up to this guy Kind of should scare the, okay, I can't say that on an FCC-mandated station, even if the FCC has turned off their customer complaint line. Yes, that's something that happened this week. Um, yeah, the president does seem to be in deep doo-doo, or at least deep love doo-doo, when it comes to Putin. This isn't going to end well for us, will it? No, it's not. It's not going to end well for everybody involved. That, do, that does mean us. Uh, case in point, uh, look how he embraced dictators. Not only Putin, but Kim Jong-un from North Korea, you know, pretty much saying, no, no he, he's a nice guy. He, he's going to be all right. Again, another savage who kills family members, who uses fear and death to uh, further his agenda. So he always has these glowing reports about these dictators because I think he sees himself as one. Birds of a feather. So, you know, it's like who you roll with. You know, I want to roll with Putin. I want to roll with Kim Jong-un because, hey, I'm one of you guys. Oh, yeah, I want to be one of you guys. And here's the thing. Vladimir Putin depends on his state media to maintain his power. And as such, because we've got to take a break here, we have had some very interesting <clears throat> state media players when it comes to the United States. Now, we've already mentioned one of those in the guise of Fox News. But, but Chris, coming up in just a second, we're going to get to talk about one of our absolutely favorite mouthpieces of Donald Trump and the latest shenanigans of what's going to happen behind um, <clears throat> his trying to bring back media empire. I have a good idea that you actually know who that is, but you're not going to believe who he got mixed up with now. That's all coming up here on the show that's trying to review all the news that was before the planet goes to hell in a handbasket. At least our country. We'll be back with more. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show. This is 60 Second Civics from the Center for Civic Education. I'm Mark Gage. In England, the office of Speaker originated in the 14th century in the House of Commons. The Speaker was the spokesman for the Commons in dealings with the Crown. At first, the office was highly political and carried with it great political and personal risk because of fierce disagreements between the Crown and Parliament. By the end of the 17th century, the Speaker was relatively free of royal pressure. 
Article 1, Section 2 of the Constitution says, The House of Representatives shall choose their Speaker and other officers. This was proposed by the Committee of Detail at the Philadelphia Convention and adopted unanimously without discussion. Therefore, it is not known whether the drafters intended the Speaker of the House to be a nonpartisan official like the Speaker of the House of Commons or the kind of legislative speakers who emerged as fierce political partisans in the colonies and early state legislatures. Perhaps because of the lack of broad-based political parties, the first speakers of the House acted in a nonpartisan manner. The rise of political parties and the use of parties to organize the House later gave a distinctly partisan flavor to the role. However, it was not until Kentucky's Henry Clay became Speaker in 1812 that the Speaker began to use the position to push a party agenda in presiding over legislative proposals. Thank you for listening to today's podcast, 60 Second Civics, where civic engagement only takes a minute. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that we can give our daughters everything they need to grow and learn. But not every child can focus on classes and play dates. Nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. face hunger. That's one in six. School lunch might be their only meal each day. And it's heartbreaking to imagine any child going to bed hungry. We're dreaming of a perfect day when kids can smile, play, and just be kids without worrying about where their next meal will come from. Feeding America is working to make that perfect day a reality. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. That food is given to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about doing things that make an ordinary day extraordinary. Learning to play an instrument, building a sandcastle, hosting tea parties. Hunger should never be an obstacle to growing up. You can help end childhood hunger in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. This is the Shaggy Jenkins Show on the Pacifica Radio Network. It's the Shaggy Jenkins Show on the Pacifica Radio Network. Welcome back. No matter where you're listening to us in the world, God, we love you so much and hope that you're doing well. Hey, if you want to check in with us and see how we're doing, there's a couple of ways to do it on social media. Just look for at Shaggy Live. If you are anywhere near a web browser, you can look into us at shaggyjenkins.com. And while you're there, I, I don't want to be that cuddly, lovey guy too much, but let's just go ahead and say that if you ever wanted to check in and just be like, Shaggy, this is how my day is going, drop me an email through the website, shaggyjenkins.com, okay? Uh, this guy is joining me from a very cold, cold, cold place. I actually worry more about hyperthermia with this correspondent than I do anywhere else. Joining me from the very windy city of Chicago, please welcome back Chris Bass. No, Shaggy, don't worry about me. I'm good, man. You know, it's, it may be cold outside, but we got nice, warm talk going on right now, so... Let's make it rock and roll like we always do. Okay, I got to heat this up with this story because uh, I I didn't know that, that, that white privilege was a club that we could just allow anyone in. Because if it was, oh, Shaggy would have diversified and gentrified white privilege a long time ago. But on this one little panel, uh, one little panel on CNN, somebody got it wrong. Okay, I'm talking about Ariva Martin, 
accusing the host, David Webb, of having tons, uh, as we say in Hawaiian, Hawaiian pigeon, chunk amounts of white privilege. What's the problem with that statement, Chris? Uh, David Webb is black. Okay, back up here. David Webb, who, according to Ariva Martin, has all kinds of white privilege and white privilege mentality, is in fact not white. No, he he is not white. He he is black. He is he is an African American, sir. Okay. African American, yeah. This is the thing that I got to bring up because this aired on Sirius XM. Um, yeah. What was what was Ariva trying to accomplish with this whole? calling for white privilege well if i didn't know any better when she mentioned the whole thing about white privilege and david webb being african-american it kind of sort of like came off to me that david webb was uh uncle tom uh that's how it came off to me encoded message because it's not too many well it's there's a few of us out there that are conservative that are in the media uh, that uh, cater to the right. In this situation with David Webb, he also does uh, some work for Fox News. So if you didn't know any better, you're just listening you know, to say you know, his voice or something like that, depending on how, you're, how you are about interpretation and inflections and tones, you probably would say, okay, well, he's David Webb and whatever. But because of the fact that he's black and you throw in the white privilege thing, yeah, that could have been a dig. I think it was probably a dig about being Uncle Tom. Because, see, this is the thing that, that, that concerns me about that statement. One, um, yeah, I know, look, we live in the era where everybody, every cracker out there is trying to cash in their white privilege cards and, and mm-hmm. seriously knock it off, crackers. Y'all need, to, y'all need to chill. But on the other side of that, there is the whole, and, and I don't, I'm not going to use the word reverse racism. I'm going to use inter-community racism because this is what happens. If you are somebody of African descent and you behave certain traits, okay, be it literacy, uh, employment, uh, literally the bar is set very low on this. But one of the biggest, biggest insults that people in the black community throw around is Oreos talking about, oh, you only have the black skin, but you white within. And that is a derogatory insult for somebody in a black community in the United States. So when when somebody goes and accuses like a David Webb of white privilege, I, I kind of want to say that it feeds into that whole schoolyard, let's call them Oreos if you're in Hawaii, let's call them coconuts, brown on the outside, white on the... And, and at the end of the day, it kind of takes away from from what should be very meaningful conversations about society. Chris, are we ever going to get to the part where a black man can simply just be a black man? Well, but see, that's a loaded question. And the reason why it's loaded, Shaggy, is because being in this country and being the person of color and the history, that's uh, especially between whites and blacks and between whites and other uh, different people from themselves, has always been not a really good harmony us relationship, you know, we know it's talking about slavery, the whole thing. So, but then people teach that mentality generational wise. Once again, we all know you're not born with the mentality to hate. Hate is a learned behavior. And so if someone says to you, 
well, look, you know, all black people are the N-word. They lie, they cheat, they steal and everything else. And you buy into that. Then you see someone on the street and different from you and they're a person of color. You'll buy into it depending on who you are. So to be black defines who the person is, who you are, comfortable literally in your own skin. If you can love yourself, you can love others. But how people view you back, that love may not be there at all. Yeah, because, I mean, honestly, I view myself as a seven-foot lesbian black woman. That is something that hey, I hey, live that, with. Hey, that's, that's great. Yeah, you know, this isn't—and uh, if you do watch the video show, yeah, I'm not playing for the WNBA because I'm not seven feet tall, and let's just face it, I'm wrongly equipped for that whole lesbian and black parts that I mentioned. Um, but— this is the thing. As, as long as we're talking about people that are just way off base, about understanding race, about understanding life or reality, I want to bring us uh, our favorite subject. Alex Jones is back in the news this week, Chris. And um, how are things going for Mr. Jones lately? Well, not too good. It started off pretty well. Uh, the Roku Channel Store was about to offer his program because, as you know, he's been banned for other social media sites. And uh, unfortunately, uh, Jones and Infowars, it didn't last too long because Roku got rid of him immediately, and which is a good thing. And let me tell you why. Uh, in our profession in talk radio, you know, you have people, for example, who want to out-shock the other uh, radio hosts, for example. Mm -hmm. So when Rush Limbaugh came on the scene all those years ago, People say, okay, how can we be better than Rush? What can I do to outrush Rush Limbaugh? That's usually what happens when uh, somebody is a game changer. Now, I don't care for Rush Limbaugh's policies, but as a broadcaster, he did change the game for uh, conservative talk radio. I got to give him that. But then we have people who came after him uh, down the road, like an Alex Jones, who is like, okay, how can I uh, outrush Limbaugh? How can I out? Uh, Sean Hannity, how can I outdo all these other people? Okay, I'll just be completely nutso to the right of Genghis Khan, which is what he's been doing for all these years. So now Roku has done, I think, a magnanimous job of removing him from the channel because people like him do not understand the constant fear-mongering that he has. You can only have one Rush Limbaugh, only have one uh, Sean Hannity, only have one uh, Mark Levine. So when you try to outdo those guys, you know, there's probably no more room for you. Yeah, and this is the thing that people don't understand, because for the most part, when we mention the company Roku, they're thinking about the OTT, or over-the-top, set-top media devices, the little sticks, the little boxes. You plug them into your television, and ooh, all of a sudden you have apps, and apps can watch programs. Mm -hmm. However, Roku here lately has been going in a different direction, whereas they've tried to develop their own streaming offering. Now, we talked about this about two weeks ago when they came out with the Roku channel, and the Roku channel was going to take their box, their hardware, and actually add a streaming service, whereas they were going to do just like everybody else and invest in original programming. So... Roku already had a lot of industry attention on them for this channel that they were about to, to, to open up, and every eye was on it. So I got to ask you, knowing how vocal 
Alex Jones has been in the media knowing that just a week and a half ago, the victims of the parents of the victims of the Sandy Hook shooting won a lawsuit because he was telling everybody that was a false flag operation. With all of this stuff happening around Alex Jones, how did Roku even come to the table of saying, maybe we should offer InfoWars? Well, I think like anything else, when you're trying to get content, you have to, of course, know dissect the content and see if there's an audience for it, naturally. And I think what comes to mind for me, would Roku have kept Alex Jones had not been for Netflix raising their prices? If Netflix wouldn't have raised their prices, I think that Roku would still would have kept Alex Jones. And the reason why I say this is because it's still competition. So if you have people who might, and quote-unquote, might defect from Netflix, let them be a source out there to be more attractive for competition purposes. So, the, you know, you don't want Alex Jones on there, even though he's been, you know, galvanizing on social media for years, but he's been dormant because of what happened from his banning. You don't want to risk that chance. No, but here's the thing. Alex Jones was one of the most vocal supporters of Donald Trump. And we all know that Donald Trump loves handing out favors. I mean, come on. This week, we actually have a story going, did T-Mobile bribe the president? And there's a kind of a lot of evidence talking about, yeah, yeah, they probably did. But Donald Trump has for free famously thrown his support behind Alex Jones and his info wars. I've noticed, and I'm going to ask you this, step after step after step. First it started with Twitter, then it was YouTube, then it was Facebook, and all the other properties, Vimeo and everything that came after expunging Alex Jones. The president has been remarkably quiet, at least with Alex Jones' case. Why do you think that is? Because you don't need Alex Jones anymore. You use them for your purpose. You don't need them. Again, you, you got the trifecta in Sean Hannity and Coulter and Rush Limbaugh. You don't need Alex Jones. You don't need him. So he served his purpose. You kick him out with the baby in the bathwater. Okay, but the, the thing is, is like Alex Jones really thinks that he is going to, with this latest ban, once again, he really thinks that, that he is going to finally uncover the vast liberal conspiracy against him and InfoWars. Knowing what we know about how he uh, <clears throat> actively in a child custody battle last year admitted that all of that stuff is fake and, and hoodabaloo, how likely are we to have an, a legitimate return of Alex Jones and InfoWars to the power that it enjoyed just one summer ago. I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, that's just me personally. I don't think it's going to happen because, again, with the outlet that he has, going back to Trump, of Fox News and the people I just mentioned before, he doesn't really fit. I mean, he used to fit, but he doesn't need it anymore. So it's being used up. Remember how, for example, when Michael Cohen had come forward and, you know, with the whole allegations of uh, Trump uh, paying off the two uh, ladies and everything else, how he distanced himself from Michael Cohen mm -hmm. and Paul Manafort and everybody else. Same with Alex Jones. You used them. They used, you know, and it's time to move on. Yeah, because, I mean, this week we had a heavily redacted kind of filing uh, from Mueller's team about 
Manafort's lies, and boy, they added up to a lot. Manafort, of course, in the six degrees of Kevin Bacon's separation here, was <clears throat> one of those people that was on Alex Jones and Infowars when Donald Trump was still a candidate. Of course, Donald Trump himself was on there, and then we can't forget all the lovely people like Michael Flynn, Michael Flynn's son, and yeah, you get the picture because this is the thing that really, really kind of brings it all home to me. Chris, InfoWars was trying desperately, desperately to build up a media empire off the Trump presidency. Conspiracy theory, with Donald Trump and his want of a media empire, do you think that really he was only going to use them for so long before we saw him drive them into the ground so he could start his own property? Yeah, I'll go along with that. And, and again, you know, it's like the old Bill Withers song, the old school song, you know, use me until you use me up. And, you know, he was used up. Case in point, and in, in the so-called popularity of Alex Jones, okay. you had the White House press secretary, Sarah Sanders, use an InfoWars video. Remember John, uh, Jim Acosta with the intern and the grabbing of the microphone? She used that as a point of reference. And she got scolded on social media and Twitter for her using that guy's uh, InfoWars page as a point of reference. So again, you can align yourself with crazy because as Forrest Gump once said, stupid is, stupid does. Mm. Yeah, and crazy is, is as crazy does because Alex Jones has been pushing very crazy conspiratorial theories over the way. So, And this is the other thing. Roku had an opportunity with this Roku channel to kind of go after some of the lower local news and, and, and really go where television and cable isn't going with localization. So this is kind of a side story. Headlines are, are out now when talking about Facebook. Facebook has decided that since they are so much in the gutter, Chris, they are going to invest $500 million, $500 million <laughs> over the course of this year for local news to use their streaming services. So this is, this is the thing. Alex Jones not only got kicked out of the marketplace, but every source that he could possibly go back to has now started to invest in and bring in their own properties. How long before Alex Jones is a footnote of history we never hear from anymore? I hope very, very soon. You know, I really do. And, and not only that, most people, they don't want to admit it, they show their actions. And Alex Jones wanted so much to be legitimate. He probably, in his dreams as a broadcaster, if you want to call him that, wanted to be a part of, say, Fox News Channel, probably a part of something, uh, ABC News, other, other news outlets in some capacity, if he was to join, because that gives him legitimacy. And he never had it. So in the world of the Internet, he was able to form his, his own island, his own thing. But I think, you know, again, if someone came along to Alex Jones and said, look, we'll give you a segment on a network, oh, yeah, he'll take it. He would have took it immediately. Most people would. You know, the thing is, is maybe Alex Jones should get into like a real, real conspiracy of our day. Something that has taken and gripped the Internet by storm all weekend long. I'm I'm referring, of course, to the picture of a simple egg that beat out Kylie Jenner's record on Instagram. Um, An egg in American society and actually world society got 35 million 
likes on the platform. And and I got to ask you, <laughs> if you're a personality like me who has a podcast and you're somebody like Alex Jones who had a multi-million dollar podcast and, and you see something where an egg, nothing famous, an egg just right. got the world record for the most liked picture on Instagram, how much hope is there for us as a society at that point? None. <laughs> none, none. That that's it. You know, the egg is cracked, the yolk is out. There's nothing more we can do. It is, you know, is you why you want it scrambled, uh fried, you know. I mean <laughs> it's a two minute I mean, come on now. You know, that's that's beyond comprehension. But in social media, it's it's the impossible becomes possible. You and I both know that. Oh yeah. And I thought that this story would go completely over easy, but no, no, not uh, at all. Very, very good. Very <laughs> good. Yeah, yeah, everything's looking sunny side up for the egg that is now the largest liked post this week. And the, the reason I bring up the egg post, because we're talking about Alex Jones, is an inanimate object has become more relevant on online sources to Americans than any other human. Kylie Jenner announced the birth of her first child, and a picture of an egg beat that. Baby egg alex jones yeah. not a chance so right. that, that kind of brings <laughs> us to a, a last story that i want to to talk about because this has to do with people in the media saying the thing that we're not supposed to say out loud if we're horrible people i'm referring to of course mr representative stephen king not 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 stephen king the guy that represents cujo and misery and no 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 steve king He's from Iowa, I believe. Yep, Iowa. And he was on record of asking people, hey, what's the big old deal with people being white supremacists being wrong? Um, I, before I even bring it up, Chris, just thoughts. I always like the fact that when you catch a person off guard, because they can't be on, quote-unquote, 24 hours a day. There has to be some low time where they actually... Uh, show who they really are, and you know, and and King is one of them. You know, a lot of these people are closet racists. You know, they can't come out and say, you know, well, I hate all N words. You know, you know, those days, you know, are back in the day. You know, you can't really come out and say. I mean, you can if you want to, you would jeopardize your job and your constituency. But no, you say behind closed doors. But when you're out in front of the camera, you smile for the camera and you do your thing. You know, and make sure you get your good side. But now. You know, he made it very, very clear about between white supremacy and white nationalism and everything else. All it is is a lot of these people being outed for who they are, and they, their guard is down. And so when they have these interviews, they just come out and say how they really feel. I think it's great. You know, for me, this is the thing that bothers me, because every job that I've, I work at and I apply at, they always ask me, is there any problems that you have? And I was like, I hate white people. And they laugh. But th this is kind of the thing. I've, I've realized that I can get away with being as open against white people because everybody just kind of thinks that it's a joke. But when it comes to Stephen King, with Steve King being against any minority, not only is he not joking, he is on record several dozen times with public policy and support for public policy along racist bends. And now... Yeah. When he says, hey, what's wrong with white nationalism? Just a real quick question. Why has nobody fired him from his job? 
because he was around other white uh, supremacists. That's why. They were the same mindset. They protect each other. Any group of people that are like-minded, especially in the position of power, I got your back, you got mine. So he didn't go anywhere because they uh, apparently agreed with his uh, statements. You know, the thing is, is I haven't seen open, blatant racism like this since Senator Strom Thurmond and Jesse Helms. So for me, (laughs) this is kind of like a a throwback representative. However, every time that he's kind of been in the news, you notice this great mist of silence that follows all the other GOP members when they're asked to 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 kind of answer to it. But with this latest case, now even his own party isn't supporting him. Is that a genuine disgust at the fact that he's a racist, or is this just a party that took an ass-whipping in the midterms thinking that maybe they can win some brownie points? I would go with the latter, uh, only because of the fact that it's good for business. And the business, of course, is the GOP and saving what's left of their face that is on the ground. So it's bad for business to embrace King and what he says. And once again, in theory, behind closed doors, I believe they agree with him. I believe a lot of them agree with him. But it's bad for business to support him publicly. So they have to keep a distance in order to save what's left of their faces. The thing is, though, is he's the one that's been out there. He's the one that's actually said, quote, unquote, the bad thing, or as I like to call it with, with with crackers in office, he said the thing out loud that they really think, but they're not supposed to say out loud, but everybody knows they're like that. Uh, mm-hmm. the, 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 the thing that really bothers me about this story, though, is yes, we have had some representatives, we have had some senators coming out and denouncing these statements. The one mm-hmm. person that really has the power to denounce these statements on a national conscious scale, it's Donald Trump. And Chris, he said nothing. Why? Again, he is in alignment with the school of thought of what King has said. That's why. Because when you say nothing, that speaks volumes. You would think that the president would come forward and put him in his place, check him, denounce him, nothing like that. No. When he's quiet, that shows you right there that as far as I'm concerned, and most people I talk to about it, he's all for it. And so when you co-sign in silence, you're co-signing because you agree in theory of what that person said and does. The thing that really gets me about this, though, is with Donald Trump and his system of doing things, especially with doing things through representatives, is this him letting Steve King do the how racist can we be litmus test? Yeah, I would say so. It's like, again, even though Donald Trump has crossed the line and said certain things and has crossed that, or they call, broken the third or fourth dimensional wall, again, you still have representatives of him that continue on the path, that continue to break the wall just like he did. And so when you have people like King, yeah, you know, it's not a problem because the other same mindset, you want to push that agenda forward. And you do it in various ways you can, not just from you as the president, but from other people who are like-minded as you are. Now, this is the thing that really gets me, because with Steve King, it is very, uh, his racism is like a huge Confederate flag that he has tattooed on his forehead. And, uh, well, actually, Mm -hmm. he has tattooed on both of his buttocks because he's throwing this white racism around and telling everybody to kiss it. The thing (laughs) about him is the scariest thing of all is he's the one that's noticeable. 
And everybody that's noticeable is usually hiding six or seven unnoticeables. So at the end of the day, when it comes to Steve King, and we've got like, I don't know, 30 seconds here to answer this question. Sure. In fact, will any action ever happen against him when people actually kind of subscribe to what he's saying? I don't think any action will come towards his way. I'll be surprised, you know, if he gets more backlash of it. But again, when you have people in the numbers you just mentioned that support him, it's strength in numbers always. Always. Well, there's strength in our numbers because, Chris, we've made it through another show. Oh, until next time, everybody, we got to go. Love you, mean it. Gate in by. We'll catch you next week.